morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Got some people still walking through the doors. Would you stand with us? Let's praise our King together. Come on. In a sorrow's
Good morning, church family. You can have a seat for a moment. There was a line in that song, Behold the Empty Tomb. And that is something to celebrate. And uh, it's really with that, that's, that's the reason we celebrate Easter. And I said it last week, gotta remind us, Easter isn't about a bunny, it's not about eggs, it isn't, uh, the most exciting thing about Easter is not the jelly beans you find hidden in your backyard or the uh, colorful things that you get to paint stuff, it's the risen savior. And so we, uh, we here at GBC, excited for Easter. Again, we're running four services. And uh, actually, before I get there, I'm sorry, I went out of order. First, April 2nd is Good Friday. We're going to have two evening services, 6 o'clock and 7.30 p.m. They're going to be short family services. We'd love for you to join us. April 4th is Easter. And I need you to hear something about Easter. I need you to hear something. This is important. If you're home and you're watching, now's the time. Tell your kids to be quiet. You need to hear this. Because people are going to mess this up and they're going to get confused. We need everyone, adults, kids, and teens, to register for Easter. All right? And so we have an adult registration. That's one link. We have kids and teens. It is a separate link. Make sure 9 o'clock and 1030 are the, one, are the places where we're going to have kids and teens. You may missionally go to 730 or noon just to help us create some space for the busier middle services. But uh, uh, we, we want to make sure everyone knows you have to register for Easter. And then the final thing is last week... We pointed these out and we said, pray for a name. And so we just wanna encourage you again, if God gave you a name of someone to invite, be it into your homes or here on a Sunday morning, that you write their name on this and that you actually hand it to them and say, hey, come with me. I've had some great stories shared even in the last week about people who in their workplaces or friend, uh, parents of their kids from school that they've invited and have said yes. That's an exciting thing to celebrate. And so reach out, invite someone to come celebrate the risen uh, Savior with us on April 4th. Make sure you register online. And we're going to continue worshiping that risen Savior now. Please stand. All right. Like Zach said, we're going to continue praising our risen Savior, our God, our King, He is faithful, He is kind, He is loving, He is gracious and merciful. And I don't know about you, but rarely for me, when I wake up in the morning, the last thing I want to do is sing, right? I don't know if you guys are like me, the last thing I, I want to do is, is sing. And, um, and I think maybe some of us, myself included, but myself included, are probably feeling the effects of, uh, of daylight savings last week, right? Can I get a show of hands, maybe? Yeah, some of us? Yeah, me too. The last thing we want to do sometimes is sing. But our God is worth singing about. He's worth singing for. And uh, I want to I read a scripture for us this morning. This is... This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. No, for, I, I want to read that again because that's, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of our God. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what kind of hurts and struggles you might be going, uh, might be going through. 
Um, but our God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. I have to remind myself that every single day. But he is worth singing about. He is worth singing for. And he is worthy of our praise. So I encourage you to sing this song with us. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my
my confidence with your faithfulness.
his name this morning and sing Jesus. 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 We love the name of Jesus. Jesus. One more time. His name is Jesus. Darkest night, you are close like. 
Praise God. Lord, we just, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are mighty. You are powerful, Lord God. I just praise you. Praise you, Lord. I pray that you continue to pour your spirit out upon this place, Lord God, in that home, in people's homes, Lord God. I just pray that you just continue to speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon our speaker this morning, that your words would flow through him, and that you would open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts, that we would receive your word in a different light this morning. I just thank you and praise you, Lord God, for everything you're going to do and what you've already done this morning. In the name of prayer. Amen. Good morning again. I would like to welcome each and every one of you. Just take a few seconds, uh, wave at somebody, give a high five. If you're at home, send a text, tell somebody you love them, and we'll be back in just a minute. Well, good morning once again. Uh, my name is Gary Campbell. I'm the lead pastor here at GBC, and it is my joy and privilege this morning to introduce our speaker for the day. Uh, we have had the privilege as a staff and elders throughout yesterday to sit under the training and teaching of Pastor Travis Bond, and I think you're going to be really blessed uh, by the word that he's bringing to you uh, this morning. Travis and I met, uh, I think about six years ago at a pastor's conference and uh, throughout this COVID year, rather than seeing each other once a, uh, a year, we've seen each other every month uh, in a pastor's sort of online Zoom conferencing that we've been doing as we've, you know, prayerfully as pastors around New England been coming together and, and uh, praying for one another, praying for our congregations, uh, helping to talk about best practices regarding all the decisions that we've been making as churches. And somewhere around six or seven months ago, we kind of threw out this idea of seeing if Travis could come down and invest in our staff, invest in our elders and then uh, share the Word of God with you this morning. So I am really excited. It brings me great joy uh, to introduce Travis to you. And why don't you give him a warm welcome. Uh, Pastor Travis, would you come? Hey, good morning, GBC. Man, I cannot tell you how excited I have been to come down here this weekend. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, so I want to bring you greetings from Medway Community Church, all your brothers and sisters up there. We are Massachusetts. We're a little bit weird, uh, but we love Jesus too. And it sure, sure is fun uh, to be connecting with a bunch of you guys. So I, I actually got to meet a bunch of your families at Berea maybe a year and a half ago. And if they are any indication of the health of this church, you guys are in good shape. And then like Gary said, we've known each other for years, but he has become to me not just a colleague, uh, but really a trusted friend. And I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to come down and connect with your staff yesterday morning, your elders yesterday afternoon. Y'all, you got good leadership in this church. Do you know this? <laughs> 
I, I don't know if I really taught them anything at all, but they sure were a blessing to me. So that was a lot of fun. And then getting to open up the word uh, to you this morning as well. Uh, I, you know, I've been a lead pastor for long enough that I know when you hand a microphone to somebody who is not in your church family, you don't know what is going to happen. <laughs> so I want to say to Gary publicly, thank you for the trust uh, that you're uh, allowing me to get some of his pulpit time. I know this is precious pulpit time to a, a lead pastor and a church. And um, so I want to invite all of you to just go ahead and open up to John chapter 15 in your Bibles. John chapter 15. So this is the passage that has been assigned to me as you guys are working through uh, the gospel of John. I love this passage and I hope to share a little bit of why here um, in the time ahead. I could see a bunch of you going ahead and opening the Bibles and scrolling through on your Bible apps. And listen, y'all, that is the single best way you can encourage your pastor to be sure that what is being set up here is actually in there. Um, so while you're finding uh, the text and get settled there, let me try and set it up like this. Do you know where you're from? Do you know who you're from? Do you know where you're from? Do you know who you're from? Uh, so for me, uh, my name's, again, Travis Bond. Uh, my dad uh, was English, if you're not guessing that, from the last name, Bond, Travis Bond. Uh, but he... He's from down in Mississippi, so actually all of my southern uh, roots are kind of southern. I'm told that I'm 132nd or 164th Choctaw Indian. Uh, and then my, my dad married uh, my mom, who is out of the clan Gordon, so all this Scottish blood. And I don't know a lot about the Gordon clan. I know that they are most well known for violently eliminating their rivals, <laughs> which, which might explain my unreasonable antipathy toward New York Jets fans. Uh, I recognize I'm in Connecticut. I don't know if we have any New York Jets fans here. <laughs> I'm sorry, the persecution has begun already. <laughs> so hopefully everyone else is still with me here. Uh, so uh, to be honest, most of that, I mean, it's just kind of oral history, like passed down through the generations in my family to whatever degree it's, it's accurate. But in the year 2021, you guys know we can actually get a lot more precise and a lot more definite. Uh, Ancestry.com has all kinds of information and it's a big business now. 23andMe, it is a DNA swab and a mail-in test kit and it will spit back all kinds of information to you. Um, we've got a family in our church, the college-age daughter, she did a 23andMe project as part of one of her classes in college, and she discovered, unbeknownst to her entire family, a, a sister, a half-sister in Florida from a, a relationship uh, dad had had many, many years ago, and it is this awesome story that they share about God's providence, that, that this sister had been placed into a Christian family, and so now there's reunification and celebration. Uh, that's part of where she's from. That's part of who she's from. On the other hand, who you're from and where you're from might contain stories far less celebratory. Your family tree might include alcoholism or abuse or racism, broken marriages, you know, the stuff we don't get excited about. We don't want to perpetuate those cycles. 
So we think to ourselves, well, listen, that may be my family tree, but that is not going to be me. Friend, do you know where you're from? Do you know who you're from? For the Christ follower, John 15 gives the answer. Now, you, you all worked through the first seven verses last week, and Gary graciously uh, invited me to revisit those for those who aren't present and kind of do a flyover of that, and then because it's all sort of the same discourse to build out from there some verses that follow. So I'm just going to read it now. This is John 15, uh, beginning at the first verse. Folks, this is the most important thing I will say all day, because this now is the very word of our Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, Love one another. Thus ends the reading of God's word. So let me offer to you uh, three handholds to try and trace a line through the text. If you're a note taker, uh, these are the note headers the, that I put in my own uh, notes. First one is transformation. Our plan is for pruning. Transformation. And I can tell you, uh, even though this is just the next passage in the ongoing series that you're doing, and I, by the way, I love that, that this is a church that works through large chunks or whole books of the Bible. Um, this is just the next one in the line, um, but I'm really grateful to preach it because this is, to me, uh, this last of Jesus' I am statements. It is so encouraging. I love this passage because John 15 gives us real hope, okay, real power, Unto life change. Um, you go down to the, the Books a Million at the local mall, right? And you will find 
shelf upon shelf upon shelf of books and volumes about all the ways to change, how you can be more successful, how you can be more fit, how you can be less anxious, how you can be less bald. I don't know why anyone would want that, but it's a thing. You will find self-improvement for anything and everything, but I want to set before you that beyond all of that, okay, John chapter 15 reveals real power for real change, and it's rooted in where you're from and who you're from. I am the true vine, that's verse 1, and my father is the gardener. So now, as we move into it, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. Case in point, the author of this book. Who is the author of John? Shout it out. Yeah, and what do we know about the guy? Well, together with James, Jesus nicknamed the two of them, do you know? The Sons of Thunder, which to me sounds like either a bad reality show or a pro wrestling team. So now I want to know, well, gee, why did Jesus nickname them Sons of Thunder? And for those of you who might not be as familiar with the New Testament, it's actually back in Luke 9 where we find this story of James and John and they get a little bit irritated with a Samaritan village and so they want to call down fire from heaven to just destroy the place and they ask Jesus if they can do that and Jesus responds to them and if I can, if I can paraphrase our Lord here, he basically says to them, um, not really sure you know how to do that, <laughs> but no, that is not necessary, John. And now, here we are decades later, and the same guy is writing the gospel of love. We went from burn them all to love one another. What happened to this man? Well, you turn back just a page or so if you're using a paper Bible, the, the real Christians in the audience right now. <laughs> And it's right there um, toward the bottom of chapter 14. Like, what was going on there? Um, and you were just there a few weeks ago, right? So we had the, the upper room, and we had um, uh, the basin of water and the towel, and we had the cup of wine and the bread. And then you remember Judas? He kind of skittered out on the side there, out into the night to do what he's going to do. And then it's, it's the last phrase of the last sentence of the last verse in chapter 14, Jesus says, it is time for us to go now, or rise, let us go from here. So they, they leave the upper room, and they, they walk out of the city, and now they're heading up toward the Mount of Olives. If For those of you who have been to um, Israel or uh, studied the map in a Bible study, you know, it's out on the east side of the city there, and so they're heading up to the Mount of Olives, up to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows what awaits there. They don't know, but Jesus knows what awaits there. And the sun is setting on their back at this point. And I, I suppose somewhere along the way, Jesus would have noticed the, the, the vines and the branches growing along the roadside, some of them having been tended for um, generations and generations now. And he looks at them and he looks at his disciples and then he gives them this instruction in so many words. He says, hey, guys, be the branch. Be the branch. Don't, don't try and be the vine. Don't, don't try and find your peace and your strength 
in you. That's my job. Your job is to stay connected to me. Author Dorothy Sayers, she wrote a bunch of crime novels and some poetry, and she famously said, sin is the condition of being radically curved in on yourself. So the opposite of that, then, is the gospel. Not, not curved in on ourselves, not ingrown, but engrafted into Christ, joyfully dependent on him. That because the gospel is not a list of things to do for God, it is the glorious news of what God has done for us. It's not behaviors to be adopted, it is a promise to be believed. It's a sacrifice to be received. And I wonder sometimes, and I'm, I'm probably drawn more from my own life than maybe anybody else's around me, but I do wonder sometimes if we don't imagine life with Jesus, something kind of like that kiosk at the airport that you're trying to plug your devices in. You guys can picture it in the terminal. And you're, you're hoping when you realize that you need it and then you're hunting for where it is uh, in the terminal, you're hoping it's you know, like one of these is nice and it looks all clean and well kept. But actually, the kiosk almost always looks like this. And now, you know, everybody's wondering, oh, is there a spot for me? Is there enough, is there enough power to deliver what I need? And what Jesus is saying in first century parlance is that I am the true vine. There is enough of me for you. Verse 5 then, that's the good news. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. And then verse 6 is the bad news. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So I read that, and it appears to me that God does two things here. Number one, he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. And number two, he prunes every branch that does. So that it might bear more fruit. And so I step back from the text and I do a little thinking on that and I think, hmm, dead branches taken away. So long as that's other people, I suppose I'm okay with that. <laughs> Live branches pruned? Well, if that's me, I think I'm less okay with that. <laughs> because pruning sounds like hurting. That, that sounds like it stings. And I'm no arborist, but I know enough to know that clinging vines of grapes, they do have a tendency to attach to all of the wrong things and to grow in all of the wrong directions. So why does God prune? Well, it's for greater fruitfulness. Or we could put it like this. Pruning is not punishment. It is preparation for transformation. I don't know all that you dragged into this room or for those of you who are joining us online this morning, I, I don't know all the, the baggage and the heartache that's sitting on the couch beside you there, but can I encourage you with this, with this truth, friend, that pruning is not punishment. It is preparation for transformation. To be a Christian is to bear fruit. Fruit. 
Someone in the back says, oh, hold on a second, Trevor. That sounds a little like works righteousness. Well, I suppose if we, if we define fruit in like external moralistic ways, it kind of would be. We'd be very different, very little different from the, the Pharisees. But if we define the fruit here the way that God defines it, well, for instance, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? And the second one? And peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. How many of you hear the Sunday school song playing in your head as you recite out the fruits of the Spirit? Well, if we define it this way, then pruning is not punishment. Pruning is to make more of that stuff. And by the way, you know, as we just quickly ran through those, I didn't hear anybody in the room as we recited out love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest. I heard nobody shout, nailing it. <laughs> Got that. Moving on. Because we're all in process. Not the least of which is the guy who happens to be on stage right now. Which is what makes then the fact that we're, we're still in process is what makes the result of this branch life so remarkable to me. Friendship with God. That's the next header if you're tracking with some notes. Friendship. Our position in his presence. See, when we connect to the true vine and spiritual life flows into us, this is what can happen. Midway through verse 12. You can look, drop your eyes down to verse 12. It says, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And I read that and I think, did I, did I read that right? Did the God of creation, the God of innumerable galaxies in the universe just call me his friend? Because you, you know the pages of history, they're, they're littered with examples of men and women and their need for friendship. Um, I spent 10 years uh, in college and then in seminary and then as an assistant pastor out near Pittsburgh and in Pittsburgh where every license plate that I passed by greeted me with the words, you have a friend in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's my wife, very excited about. <laughs> Unreasonably excited about the Steelers, but I love her still. Or uh, James Taylor, uh, who his royalties have to accrue in the millions and the millions, saying to an entire generation, winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call and I'll be there. You've got a friend. Or if you're a different generation, you will appreciate Ross, Rachel, and Chandler, who guaranteed, I'll be here for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. There was a, a professor at Loyola, um, this was years and years ago, he did an interview with U.S. News and World Report. He um, gave an interview then, and he uh, 
So this is what he said. Tell me if this doesn't ring a bell for you. There is a profound longing for friendship and poignant searching for the kinds of things only close and lasting relationships give you. What people are looking for in life is someone to whom they can tell the stories of their lives. That's why there are ham radio operators. Why do they send those signals into the night? Their great reward is to say, somebody in Anchorage heard me last night. Someone got their signal. We are all looking for someone who will pick up our signal and listen. Now that quote is like 40 years old, but you replace ham radio with Snap or Visco or TikTok or WeChat or WhatsApp or LinkedIn or Pinterest or Reddit or uh, Insta or Facebook. It's the same dynamic. We are all looking for something. We are all looking for someone who will pick up our signal and listen. And then many of us here and many of us out there met the Lord Jesus Christ. I recognize that uh, in a room this size um, and with the volume of folks who are joining us on live stream, not everyone would uh, claim the, the, the title of Christian or claim to be a Christ follower. And, and by the way, I want to say, uh, if that's you, thank you so much for tuning in or for being with us this morning. I appreciate that you're willing to give us a hearing. But for those of us who have, you know, we have taken that step. We have claimed Jesus Christ as our Savior. I mean, my goodness, this is it. Our branch life is woven into his vine life and now we're singing not so much with James Taylor, though I appreciate the music, not so much with Monica and Joey and Phoebe, but now we're singing, right, with the, with the hymn writer. I've found a friend, oh, such a friend. He loved me ere I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love, and thus he bound me to him. And round my heart still closely twined those ties which naught can sever. <laughs> For I am his. And he is mine forever and forever. Can you imagine having a friend you never feared lose? I mean, it's, it's endemic across men in America, this, this failure to have real substantive friendships. But it's a great challenge for women as well. We break up in middle school, we break up with folks in high school, we break up with folks in college, we get hurt, we get offended, we leave one church, we go off in a huff to another church, and now we can't pass the Walmart test. You guys know what the Walmart test is? That's when you're walking down the aisle and you see someone from your old church and you get this pit in your stomach and so you just turn the cart in the other direction and pretend you never saw them is not a good sign when you can't pass the Walmart test. Because listen, when you believe you've offended, you tend to avoid. That's a universal axiom. When you believe you've offended, you tend to avoid. Well, how very sad then when we begin to believe we've offended God and we have no idea where to turn. But then we open our Bibles and we read John 15 
And it's such an encouraging passage. And Jesus says, he promises, if you abide in me, and the, the, the Greek word behind that, it simply means to rest, to make your home in. When you abide in me, Jesus says, you are my friends. There's a pastor and author named Kevin DeYoung. If you're not familiar, he's down in Charlotte now. He says it like this. No doubt some Christians need to be shaken out of their lethargy. But there are also a whole bunch of Christians who need to be set free from their performance-minded, law-keeping, world-changing, participate with God in recreating the cosmos shackles. I promise you, some of the best people in your churches are getting tired They don't need another rah-rah pep talk. They don't need to hear more statistics and more stories Sunday after Sunday about how bad everything is in the world. They need to hear about Christ's death and resurrection. They need to hear how we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. They need to hear the old, old story once more. And that's the essence of John 15 and the branch life. Because pruning is not punishment. It is preparation for transformation. Jesus says, you are my friends, which means his life flows from the vine into the branches, producing fruit. Though we've offended, we need not avoid. I wonder if in the the Bible... Peter might be the best example of that. I know there's a lot of good examples. For me, that might be the best one because what do we know about Peter? If you've, if you tend, if you've offended, you tend to avoid. But, but then we meet Peter, and this is a guy who he denied Jesus, he cursed Jesus, and then he saw the risen Jesus standing on the shore. Do you remember that? It's in John 21, and he's in the boat, and what does Peter do? He dives out of the boat to get to the shore. He was not willing to wait to pull the boat up onto the shore. He had to get to Jesus because he knew that is where life is found. That is where forgiveness is found. That is where grace is found. And when the vine life flows into the branch life, It creates all kinds of things like confidence and friendship. And the last one we're going to hit on today, joy. Joy. So we had transformation. Our plan is for pruning. And then we had friendship, our position in his presence. Last one, and we're out. Joy. Our power is his love. Because I think it's good every now and then when we're reading our Bibles to take a step from our Bibles, take a step back and say, okay, Jesus, why the whole lesson? What's the application in the here and now for the vines and the branches and the pruning and the friendship? Why have you told us these things? Answer, verse 11, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you. And your joy may be complete. Tell me if this scenario sounds at all familiar. You wake up in the morning kind of bright and happy. (laughs) 
you, you think to yourself, huh, as you put your feet upon the floor, my knees don't hurt today. <laughs> I don't need to take any leave. <laughs> and, and the schedule is wonderfully light, and the weekend is right around the corner, and you are feeling good until on your way to work, that one person is driving 48 miles per hour in the passing lane. Or you stop at the 7-Eleven and the person in front of you is buying scratch tickets and they're going to pay with a paper check. No, not the paper check. And, or, or you're looking through your newsfeed and one person says a thing. They say a thing. And suddenly, all that happiness you enjoyed just an hour and a half earlier turns to ash in your hands. Why does that happen? Well, it's because happiness, the way we typically think of it, it's based on, on ephemeral and temporal and external realities. But joy, joy, that's built on eternal realities. And I, I don't need Ancestry.com and I don't need 23andMe to know this much. That I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. And Christian, that is who you are from. That is where you are from. If you have called upon Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I don't know what weight, what difficulty, what trials are in your life this week. But I promise you, you, Christian, have been grafted into, your branch life grafted into his vine life, and you can melt into that truth, which means even on the hard days, even on the pruning days, we know in our soul, pruning is not punishment. It is preparation for transformation. Joy. In the context of friendship, as a result of being grafted into the true vine. Here's where I'm going to finish, try and gather that up and just put a little bit of a point on it as I can, if I can. I read uh, last week about a letter that a grandma, uh, a set of Christmas cards that a grandma sent out to uh, all of her grandkids and uh, she ended up enclosing a bunch of money. Uh, that was the plan to, because um, uh, uh, she didn't want to go into all of the shops during the COVID season and do all of the shopping. And so she wrote out the Christmas cards and uh, she said to them, buy your own Christmas gift this year with love and then uh, merrily sent them on the way. And then it was after they had already been mailed off that she found in her desk that big stack of money that she had got to include in the letters, except she had written in the letters, buy your own Christmas gifts this year. <laughs> Quote, my daughter and I have laughed so hard at the difference in the way you would read that Christmas card with versus without the money accompanying it. <laughs> Church, we do not have, we don't have a God who shouts down rules and expectations upon us. 
and then leaves us to do it all the right way. But we have a heavenly father who like encloses in the envelope, as it were, the person of his own son to not just call us to life, but to accomplish life in our place. That we can live the branch life grafted into the vine life and even on the hardest days know the truth that pruning is not punishment. It's preparation for transformation. Will you guys pray with me? God, in just a, a, a brief weekend, I've learned to really treasure this church family and to be encouraged by all that you are doing here. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray for my brothers and sisters joining us online that they would know the fullness of these truths and would find joy even on the days of pruning. And for those who are present with us, for those who are watching with us, who they have not stepped into relationship with you. God, I pray that this day you would reach out to them. Father, we are grateful for grace. We are grateful for Jesus. We love you. It is in your son's name that we worship and we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Groton Bible Chapel. Thank you, Trav. It's, it's just been a great weekend. Uh, really appreciate sitting under your teaching and just all that we have gleaned from you. Pray, uh, even as you prayed uh, this morning, that we have, in fact, been a blessing and encouragement to you and to the family. And uh, folks, just a couple of things before we go from here. I want to remind you, if you are new in the building this morning or new tuning in online, that we would love the opportunity to connect with you, have you connect with us. You can do that here by going through those double doors into the commons and seeing the smiling faces at the Welcome Center behind the mask. Uh, and if you're online, please click the I'm New tab, and we will get connected to you as quickly as possible. I also want to belabor the point Zach made earlier that Easter is coming. There are four service options, and you need to register kids, teens, and adults. We will have both uh, Sunday school for kids and teens at both 9 a.m. and 10.45 or and uh, 10.30 that morning. And so we're opening up uh, kids Sunday school that morning. So I encourage you to do that. Get registered and uh, then we'll know who's going to be here and, and uh, how we can provide the best ministry that morning. Finally, next week, uh, next Sunday, we will be celebrating child dedication, the first one in 18 months. And we're super, super excited about that. So registration for Easter opens at 1 p.m. Go with God. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next Sunday.